Hi, everybody. It is Lady D here for another episode of Watch With You Pod. And I have Lady H here as well. What's up? She's so goofy. And we also have some guests with us today. We have Brittany and Brianna from Books and Bubbles. Hi, lady. Hello. Hello. We also have some of our faves back again. We have Maurice and Rain. Hi, gentlemen. What's up? Good evening. And we are here to talk Black Panther, Wakanda forever. <laughs> so I think Lady H wanted us to start with, where did everybody see it? So who would like to go first? Guests always get to go first. You know, no, no jumping over each other now. <laughs> I'll go. Brittany, talking. Books and bubbles. I went with my husband. We saw opening weekend, but we didn't see it until Saturday night. I know it started playing Thursday night. See, I just in my head, there was no school Friday. <laughs> uh, but we went Saturday to hopefully get some of the people out of the way. We had some friends that went, but I like to go with Marvel fans and not just Black Panther fans because I'm not going to understand the energy. Dressed up in all white African attire, ordered him clothes. We was straight going in like we were going to the ancestral plane. Uh, we saw that AMC because I need to pick my seat. I cannot commit to getting anywhere early enough to find my seat. So we do AMC so I can know when I come in C7. Thank you. Um, and that was pretty much our experience. They had a lot of events down here, but they were all like opening night and it just didn't fit our schedule. So, yeah, we went on our own. And I've only seen it once, but I watched all the recaps and okay. Easter eggs because I needed to purge my thoughts. All right. All right. All right. Brianna. So I was a little late to the party. I have a young one, so movies are hard. But I saw it the week of Thanksgiving, but I forget the day. Maybe the Tuesday before or something like that. Um, we finally had a babysitter. So when we went, it was actually maybe 10 other people in the theater. So I kind mm. of enjoyed that experience. The older I get, the more I hate large crowds. So I like that it was a small group of people. Um, I've only seen it once during that experience, but I definitely can't wait until it comes out to the home medium so I can watch it again repeatedly because I really, really enjoyed it. Oh, does that mean you're going to have it on constant loop? Maybe. As soon as it gets to Disney Plus, I'm going to be so... Because I watch the original Black Panther and Marvel like pretty often. So once... You know, it shows up on Disney Plus. I'm very excited. Okay. Now, Brittany and Brianna, since you're books and bubbles, are you guys drinking anything? Yes. So we've been doing the 12 days. What do they call it? 12 days of cocktails by Black Girl mm. Magic <laughs> Wine. Okay. So like, as they post, we try them out. So the one for this week that we did, we did their sparkling brew. I think a lot of people have tried just the original sparkling brew. You know, you can make mimosas, whatever. But... You add Grandma Ye to it. Ooh. It was fire. Ooh. Yes. So take the original sparkling brew, the Black Girl Magic, add Grandma Ye and orange juice, and then garnish it with the orange mm. fire. Ooh. So that was really good. I um, think so, I will take that to breakfast yes. at my parents' house. Yes. Right. It's like a mimosa. It's it's grown, grown. It's grown, grown, grown. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really good. Okay. All right. We'll make sure to keep those separate from the kitties. Right. Uh, I mean, they'll have a nice nap. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well, you know, sometimes that does happen. <laughs> um, I saw it the Thursday of the opening weekend. 
Um, I went to an afternoon show, and then I saw it again Saturday with you and Lady H. Well, amongst y'all, it was a couple other people that did as well, too. It was a private family showing. We had a good time. <laughs> good, good. All right. And Rain? Yeah. Um, happy to be here again. A little tipsy. So, um, but no, I saw it. Ah, I truly don't remember. I know it was the first week, and I know I didn't go to those first couple days because, much like the other young lady, I do not like being around a lot of people. I went, I want to say Sunday or maybe Monday. I don't know, but it had to be me and three, four, five, six. I think eight. I think it was eight of us in total, and it was one of them AMC theaters. So I picked my seat, but like, Shit, you really didn't have to <laughs> like two people in there per row, but um, yeah, it was it was a good time. And though it was only eight people, I think it was a pretty diverse crowd. It was a group of three white folks, me, some Hispanic folks, and then I think this lady was German. She was speaking something that sounded a little, a little different, but it was a, it was an interesting little mix. Yeah. Okay. Well, we co-sign on the tipsiness. <laughs> so. Are you wait a minute? Are you drinking something with us? Oh, some gin. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, don't ask me what. <laughs> it was whatever I put okay. in that freezer. <laughs> some gin and juice. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yo. Mm-mm. Yes. All right, Lady H. Yes. Come join the party. Where'd we see it? <laughs> we saw it at AMC's. And Owings Mills, which is a suburb of Baltimore. I rented out a theater for my family because I wanted my mother to be able to watch it. And I didn't want her to watch it with all them randos. I, I mean, yes, you can pick your seat, but germs travel. And I don't trust people not to sneeze and cough. And I'm a germaphobe anyway, couldn't do it. And I had the pleasure of having Maurice join us because he is family. And my goddaughter, my goddaughter's son, her partner, and, you know, even even Elijah's sister, who is not my family, but yours. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I've known her since. (laughs) (laughs) I've known her most of her life, but I'm teasing. And I will say this. That was the funniest thing. I will never do it again like this. It was so hard (laughs) trying to get all the tickets together about you know, who's going to show up? I need to go to this person. That person ain't even show up. It was just a mess. And my family is way larger than 40 seats. But I'm going to say, I'm going to tell on um, Reese a little bit. I sent Reese a, a message. You'll understand this, Brianna. She said, hey, this is going to be family friendly. Is that okay? And kindly, Reese was like, oh, you know, I, I will be on my best behavior. <laughs> And I said, and of course I knew he would. And I said, no, I meant like the babies are going to be here. And are, are you going to be good? Because, you know, you, you can't trust babies in the theater. And towards the end of the movie, one of, we have uh, some baby bees in our family where their names begin with bees. One of them stood up in the seat and said to the heavens, I want to go home. I want to go home now. <laughs> I mean, as clear as a bell, and the oldest baby B ain't but four. The younger one is two. So, and I said, I knew. And I was like, ooh. But they, it just tickled me to to pieces because they were not playing. So, 
her daddy later told me, you know, she was saying it for quite a while. So she got tired of being ignored for this oh, long no. movie. And she was like, okay, so just because y'all didn't hear me, everybody's fitting to hear me. Mm. And so I, it was the funniest thing. And I just, I just looked at Mo and Mo wouldn't even look at me. You were like, nope, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. But that's okay. You're not even going to come off of me to defend yourself, Reese. Defend myself for what? I mean, you said it, but it was just funny. <laughs> I already knew. I already knew what was going to happen at the end of the movie, but that just maybe it made me laugh, and I was just like, "Oh wow!" I was like, "Someone doesn't want to be here." <laughs> I mean, he's like, it's like you want you want me ahead of time, so I was like, "I was." I did. With it. <laughs> I did. The the wait a minute the the chillins did really well. Consider they really did. They how did. long the considering how long the movie was. You know, we have my grandson who has his, you know, issues. I think they all did very good. They did. Even my kids, normally they go to the bathroom maybe five seconds. They didn't. So that that's a testament to the movie. And mm-hmm. also, I am drinking Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi, Chardonnay, California. It's what I have today, a little bit of white. And, you know, as we transition to talk about the movie, I want to read this tweet that I saw today from Eric with a K Davis. And it says box office with 17.5 million Wakanda forever becomes the first film this year to repeat at number one for four weeks in a row. It is now over 700 million worldwide. The first Black Panther hit number one five weeks in a row. Last MCU film with four weeks in a row was 2021's Shang-Chi. More. How historic is this for director Ryan Coogler? If Wakanda Forever ties Black Panther with a five-week run at number one, he will become the first director to ever have two films achieve this particular milestone. Who has two films with four and five-week runs? Nolan, Cameron, and Coogler. Mm. So with that and saying that it is making bank, (laughs) what did y'all think of the movie? And this is a kickback. We all going to be... Just in and out. It was trash. Oh. You said the movie was trash, right? I was playing. Y'all wasn't saying that. I was just playing. Oh, just... <laughs> it was Mo. I was playing. That's me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, no. It was good. It was damn good. I had a good time. I I was more emotional than I thought I would be. Um, and I don't know if it's because the theater was so empty, but I let it all hang out. Every emotion I felt, I amplified that like a black person in a movie in the 90s. Like I was loud, I was sad, I was clapping. So I enjoyed myself. That was a ride. That was a ride. Mm. I feel like I'm still processing. It was mm. heavy for me. It was heavy for me. Um, I think it's gonna be one of those movies that I have to like take time off and then go back into. Happy was like, I saw it this many times, like because the first Black Panther, I saw it three times in theaters. Mm. This one was too heavy for me to go back to. I, it feels like almost like a real grief process. I was like, I gotta sit with this. <laughs> so it's heavy, it's still like heavy for me. So I don't know. I, I'm still processing how I feel. I had to sit back, like, what I just witnessed. <laughs> I loved it. I cannot wait to see it again. I don't know if I'm going to make a second movie appearance, movie theater appearance, but I really, really enjoyed it. I honestly, I didn't cry. I felt the urge to cry a couple times, but I was just in awe of the story and, you know, watching it. And I just really, really enjoyed it. And I 
I honestly still from time to time think about it and how good it was and wish I could like see it for the first time all over mm. again. I really, really enjoyed the movie. Um, I was expecting the grief, so I don't feel like it was too heavy for me. But I, I love how Ryan did it. I felt like it needed that because, you know, everything we went with the, with the loss of Chadwick, I felt like it deserved to be kind of a, I guess not darker, but just maybe just a different tone than the first one. For me, it definitely hit, it hit the marks of, though know, going through grief, the things of grief in life and everything. And I enjoyed it, greatly enjoyed it. The feedback that I was getting on certain just certain instances, that kind of just just didn't want to go see it in the theater again. I'd rather just wait for it to come out, you know, on streaming or like Blu-ray to watch it like again because it was just like, you know, a lot of people were just sitting there upset because of just certain instances. I know we'll talk about that, but um, like I said, I enjoyed it both times I saw it, and I just know that the ne- last next time I'm gonna try to stay awake. Um, the first time I saw it, I missed. It was a certain particular part that I missed and I saw the second time I said, oh, so this is how we got here. Mm. I understood that. <laughs> you cannot go to the theater when you're sleepy and tired. Well, I wasn't sleepy and tired. I was just trying to, um, I don't know, the person next, to, the person who was sitting next to me just kept, you know, breathing heavy and I was just like, oh, this is one of those, <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> oh, What are you oh, saying? You were next to Darth Vader? <laughs> it, was some, it was some white guy sitting next to me and I was just like oh man if you want to sit next to me you sit like a seat or two down away from mm-hmm. me directly next to me but I went to Simmark when I first saw it so they do the um, assigned scene as well too mm-hmm. Damn. Lady D what did you think of it? Well I liked it everybody doesn't know but you know I'm an emotional mess so I cry at everything I cried at the portrayals of T'Challa being, you know, memorialized and all of those things. And I'm a big wuss, a big baby. So, but (laughs) 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 but overall, I did enjoy it. And since I'm not a huge Marvel fan, I don't understand all of the Easter eggs and things that are there. But the storyline itself was enjoyable. I think we all enjoyed it here. Uh, I think we mentioned grief. I think that as the last movie for Marvel's phase four, we started off very heavily with grief with WandaVision. And I think we ended it well here and with very real grief and even the end credits, how they burned the cloth. And it was almost like a ceremonial Marvel burning of the grief and setting up a phase five with that. We danced around grief, right? And the not having T'Challa and as an adult T'Challa as Black Panther and the very real and emotional loss of Chadwick Boseman. Now, we know that there has been a recast T'Challa movement online. Having seen the film, where do you stand on that movement? Do you think that he should have been recast? Do you think that how Ryan Cooler presented it was the way to go? Or do you have a third alternative? Start as the non-Marvel person with a little bit of knowledge. In, in the comic books, uh, Siri, Black Panther as well. They're nodding their head, yes. Oh, yeah, my bad. Yeah, she yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, 
<laughs> so for me, that scene would seems to have made sense because the movies are supposed to kind of parallel the comic book some. To me, it doesn't seem like it's a far off thing. Right. So in true kind of comic lineage, I mean, the rollout is a little different, but um, it's kind of interesting how much real life plays into like the way she becomes Black Panther in the comic. Um, and so I think it's easy to say recast this year, but in 2020, when he passes, people are like freaking out about the idea of him being recast. So I think fast forward two years, people are down with the recasting, but I think people forgot what Twitter sounded like in 2020. <laughs> um, you know, when he passed and it's like, don't sure he needs to be the person they don't need to like, nobody was really ready. And when you think about making a film, you can't go on the sentiments of when the film is going to drop. You have to go like when it's being written. Cause you remember Ryan Coogler writes the whole Black Panther 2, Chadwick dies and how he has a rewrite. Um, nobody was re ready for a recasting. I mean, even in Marvel, like the processing of recasting, I think would have definitely extended the film. So I think being true to the comic was necessary. Maybe the development of Shuri's Black Panther was interesting for me, mm. but uh recasting would have been kind of awkward. It's like, why? The comic has already given you a way out. So I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. Like you said, um, everyone was definitely not down for recasting of T'Challa when he first um, passed away. But then a lot of people started, you know, saying, oh, recast T'Challa. You know, how are you going to take that role from a black man? A whole bunch of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, if you read the comic, you want to see that theory assumes the role of the Black Panther. So as you said, it was a way out. I was like, you might as well, I said, just let, let the story just tell something. People just, you know, I'm not going to go see it. I, I can't believe they want to recast them. And I'm like, y'all just making mountains out of molehills for nothing. Mm -hmm. To touch back on what Ryan Coogler said, I was reading his um, interview with Variety and he basically said he had like the first draft written out and he sent it to him. He said normally what the process was, he would write it. He would send it to Chadwick. Chadwick would look over it. They would go bouncing ideas back and forth, blah, blah, blah. He said he um, sent it to him, and then he had um, got a, a reply back. And then he had wrote it down to the interviewer and said that Chadwick was just tired. So, you know, everything that he was going, dealing with with his cancer diagnosis, he, was, he didn't have a chance to read it. And it was just like, you know... And he passed away, so it was just basically like they had to go and start from scratch eventually anyway. I was glad that, that they kept it with Siri being the Black Panther and how everything came with her assuming a role based on the comic book, but real life-wise, that's a different story. I, th I think just outside of this movie, recasting a lead character who has untimely left this world, which has happened on multiple films is very hard to do and you have to walk that line very lightly sometimes you know projects get put to the back burner they recast or they go a different route with the storyline there's a sensitivity that has to be had for the cast and the crew of those stories and films as well as the fans so i think just you know just as a human being watching i think that they did a good job assessing all of those needs in recasting, because imagine having to go back on set, having to be the actors and the actresses and the crew members that worked with Chadwick Bowman trying to do mm -hmm. this again. Yeah.
I'm sure that it was highly emotional on set. I mean, I'm well, that's been said in multiple interviews by multiple cast members that it was. So it had to be taken very lightly. Yeah. How do you approach this to make sure that you can get through filming it? Mm-hmm. Lord, um, <laughs> y'all got me sad as hell. Shit. <laughs> oh, no, I, um, I'll say this Chadwick's death hit me much harder than I ever would have imagined. Um, Chadwick is not someone who I watched and say I was day one, I was there with him, but through watching his roles even before he was Black Panther, I developed. I don't know, like a sibling type adoration for him. And it wasn't putting him on any kind of pedestal. It's just I was seeing that out of all the black male actors out there, this man is getting jobs on top of jobs, but he is doing such a good job. And when he passed, I have not cried over a celebrity's death since Aaliyah. Like, and this came out of nowhere for me. Um to the point where I started a whole podcast in devotion to him and his career. So for me, the question of recasting has never really been a question because I feel like the attachment that I have for him is to the man and to his work and him being black Panther is the same way that he is America well, black America's sweetheart. If you know, using non-gender terms in a way that Aaliyah was in a way that Whitney Houston was like, I, I can't recall a male actor who maybe had the same type of um, acceptance for lack of a better term, where he is essentially royalty, like a Michael Jackson. I, I, that's what I would liken it to just is the overall, whatever. Um, so to say recast, I was good with whatever Marvel did at that time. I didn't think it would be good to recast him at that time only because for everything that you guys have said already and being an actor who trains day in and day out to have your body look a certain way so you could deliver these lines over the course of what, two months to have this movie. They're working very differently than me working in an office, talking to a coworker on teams. So to recast him like right away felt like, that wouldn't have been the route to take. In continuity, having Loki um, season pop up and knowing that there are variants, I think it sets a precedent to have a recasted T'Challa in a different universe or a different form, where I still feel like Shuri should have been Black Panther. I feel like that should be her. And I don't think it's really having your cake and eating it too, but I think that they should be very cautious at how you recast him, even if it's Earth 1, 2, 3, 4 version of T'Challa. This is probably going to make or break a lot of people. But with the variants being introduced, I don't think it's far-fetched to now recast T'Challa, but not for this present-day cinematic universe. Like You have to give him a different Earth distinction. That's all I got. So real quick to hop back on that. We saw that play out in um, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, and yep. uh, Spider. So mm-hmm. we've seen the re- how the recast, the recasting can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the elements they kept, they kept it the same, but you know, with the um, with Fantastic Four, <laughs> they've had many different um, changes with the who assumed the role of those characters. I know they were the same actors are getting older and everything and maybe what aging out the roles to speak. So, you know, like you said, different earth, you know, how Marvel does it, they may have had may have to recast the role and it had to be set for that. Um, but mm-hmm. 
it it can work. Like I said, we've seen it happen. They brought, they even brought out the the old the, with Spider Man. They even brought the the two other Spider Mans, Tobey Maguire and mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield, for them mm-hmm. to the film. Like it can happen. You have the um into the Spider Verse multi, mm-hmm. even though it's a cartoon, to have multi. You know different Spider Mans and variants and things like that. You know it can work, but it just has to be fit with the storytelling and where that's going. And mm-hmm. a lot of comics will definitely see that and will be like, "Oh, they ain't supposed to do this. This ain't the way it's supposed to go." And it's like just enjoy the movie and want to give away the Marvel anyway. So let's just go. <laughs> True. Shit. I say Ryan Coogler should be a version of Black Panther in one of these other universes. Um, you know, that's neither here nor there, but yeah, I agree. Shit, I want to see that nigga shirtless. I ain't gonna damn. But no, I say <laughs> no, but I, be gone. Now the choice. <laughs> oh shit. Oh my god, y'all. Look at y'all backing up. I don't really have that much to add from what everybody said, but um I I wouldn't want to have seen him recast. I, I like the direction that the film went. Um Honestly, I think if he would have been recast, that would have been more distracting for me. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about comparing him constantly yeah. to Chadwick. And then, like it was mentioned earlier, Chadwick just being such a revered figure for us. Um, I would have been upset with whoever they picked. It don't matter who it was. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad they would have. They just went a completely different direction. That would be the next question. Who? <laughs> Everybody talking about recasting. Ooh. An unknown. It can't be nobody who we already know. Yeah. The role of Black Panther, and then that person might be torn to shreds via social media. <laughs> you know how Twitter gets. Yeah. Especially if he was light skinned. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'll take a light skin variant, but not the not the main to chop. You can't just <laughs> whitewash them like that. Colorism? No. pieces would be coming. They would be ready and they would be they'd be hitting the, your timeline. Uh-uh. Yeah, nah. The last thing that Chadwick did in the role of Black Panther was the what if was in the what if um series. Mm-hmm. That was the last um time he yep. did anything with it mm-hmm. with, the, with the character. But just recasting him, you ready for your um, the trending topic saying, "Oh, they hate the Black Panther." Oh, oh boy! Mm-hmm. Yeah, fresh off the acting boot, person. That's the only way yeah. that would work. Fresh off the acting. Yeah, I think boot. so. I think so. I was firmly against recasting T'Challa, and I think that part of it is because I understand long form storytelling. If you listen to the podcast enough, you know that I can track everything back to soap operas. <laughs> so I'm very used to, yes, the role of so-and-so being played mm-hmm. by whomever and, yeah. and explaining why this new person happens to be about 15 years younger and a foot taller. <laughs> you know, like, you know, okay, I can get it. But I think that, like you said, Brittany, there was an out. And part of what we had is people who are only fans of MCU who are not comic book fans are not going to be the movies have not converted them into reading and understanding, even though a lot of these lines and storylines are new, they could have been converted. They should have been converted. And some Mm -hmm. of them didn't. 
And some of it is just good old fashioned misogynoir. So they didn't mm. want to see the woman like, no, we need a male Black Panther. I mean, you don't. But I, I felt like, you know, if you are looking for or missing uh, a Black male T'Challa, there are multiple storylines in comic books that you can revisit that. There's mm. a current storyline in comic book that you can revisit that and have him in your life if you feel as though that's what's needed for the culture he's there the difference now is the visual aspect of it and chadwick boseman and i do think like you said rain the royalty aspect of and how he carried himself and the universe where he was their king i'm a gangster unlike lady d like she's been to cry for everything and i'm like well you know it's got to be good for me too (laughs) but what got me was in the opening credits where when they said that will be understood that he was gone and we got the Marvel and instead of all of the other characters, it was just him, but we didn't even hear the pages turn. Mm -mm. It was dead silence. It was like, we're going to give it a moment of silence for him. This is one of the only times that we saw him outside of the mural and it was done in silence. And I thought that is such a tender direction point. Mm-hmm. And had to hat tip to Ryan Coogler for making that choice. And literally, the silence was, I think, louder than anything that we could ever expect. That sounds at me. I was like, oh, they coming for our juggler with this. Mm-hmm. They absolutely did. And I, I will probably revisit and talk about this a little bit later. I think that this way tied up the Black Panther, Wakanda concept from 2017 into a bow Mm. where going forward Wakanda can be anything you know one point that I want y'all to like come back to please is the Midnight Angels and and when you talk about that was Roxane Gay and her Water Wakanda series it was six episodes and it was Anika and Ayo who are a romantic couple yes okay let's be clear on that Mm-hmm. And um, so I know those, all those people that were shipping AO with Bucky. Sorry, it's a nigga. So having oh. said that, you shipping those two together? Yeah. Why would they strip yeah. that white man with any one of them Wakandas? That is because that is silly I mean, as hell. I mean, they was I know they was shipping him as um Suri, but not yeah. him. They was I can't even see that. Well, like him and no, Bro, Ayo, get him out of here. Ayo, he need, he needs know. an old lady at a Ayo, nursing home. Um, Ayo, the way Ao disarmed Bucky and um <laughs> Falcon and <laughs> um, um Falcon and uh, um with a soldier. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> that oh, well, okay. Well, maybe that was foreplay for some. It was uh, ableism <laughs> for others, and I don't oh, know yeah, what it was ableism for some. Yeah, but it was the fact that she did it and was just mm-hmm. like it just happened. I'm like. They got to an argument. She just been like, "There goes your arm. What you gonna do now, bro?" <laughs> well, you know what? We're gonna have to talk about that because obviously there's a conversation that I have that we have to have about Shuri and Namor, Namor, a little mm-hmm. bit later. So, I mean, people see ships in everything, mm-hmm. but um, the whole entire point of that. Uh oh, Daniel snapped her. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know the royalty and the hierarchy, and they wanted more of a democracy. 
as we kind of set it up right now, our queen is dead. Shuri is Black Panther, but she was left untethered. The last we saw of her, she was in Haiti, Haiti, burning her funeral garb. It is completely open as well as the crown. So we there's a lot of room to explore and grow, including the story of those two who were on the run because they said, you know, what was should not be. So can we transition on to talk about the Angela Bassett and mm. the second significant death of this movie? Fuck this movie. Now, All right, well that means Rain wants to stop. Oh I was heartbroken, man. I um I because I didn't expect them to go there with such a main central character. Um, yes, yeah, she's not the Black Panther, but like one is Angela Bass and two is Queen Ramonda. Like the entire royal family is is gone, <laughs> save for two people. That hit me too. Uh, because for whatever reason, I just knew she would be in critical condition for like the next hour and then be back. That death hit me, but it was Letitia's performance in reaction to that. To get a little personal, I had a cousin who passed when I was a kid, and his daughter is a year older than me. And the scream that she released at his funeral, though it wasn't the same, when Letitia, when Shuri was acting a fool, it it sent me back. It sent me back. So I truly, I had a visceral reaction to to her dying and. No more. It ah, that scene did so much for this movie and for the universe, like because she stood so strong at the UN meeting, letting them know you niggas is trying me, and I'm I'm showing you we not to be fucked with. And this nigga who did, essentially said the same to her, I'm giving you a choice, and ah, I don't know. I just at this point I'm rambling, but that death was so unexpected because I was so focused on the fight. I was so focused on the movie. I was so focused on chat with having passed. And I'm like, it never occurred to me that there would be another major death like that, especially because it happened. What happened to her happened to Riri. And I was like, okay, of course Riri is going to live because she has a movie or whatever coming up. So that death truly blindsided me. So I wasn't no good watching this movie. <laughs> so, like, get your shit, get your shit. Like, I just... I don't know. <laughs> I completely agree. That's why I said the movie was heavy. Chatwick, I expected it. If anything, I was like, y'all could have made it a little sad at the beginning because I was ready to get my chat with tears out. Mm-hmm. But the mama, that I was like, I'm done. I was two seconds saying, let me get my purse. And I'll see y'all <laughs> later. Like people in the theater, like, oh, like when I say it's like a this when I say the theater itself, mm-hmm. it, it might as well have been a real funeral scene. Cause it was like, oh no, no, no. Like, yeah. Pure showing out. We were all done. I was done. But when I said my husband was like, it's gonna be all right. I said, now this too much. I'm living through like this too much now. Like I'm going back to like old country grandma. Like it's too much. It was too much. I was like, mm-mm. I was quiet for a while. I was like, mm. It uh, the way Ryan did it was so like cultural, like black loss period. I feel like we grieve and mourn different. So it felt like family. Like mm-hmm. I, I would say we are very um. I love the way we express ourselves mm-hmm. throughout the diaspora. So like you said, when she lost her, it was very clear, like a black mama lost, like everybody, even Okoye, she's like, mother, like queen mother. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh, I get chills. Like talking about it. It was, <laughs> it was too much for me. Ooh, I need a second to think. <laughs> yeah. 
that was real unexpected. You know, it was just when it, and when it happened, I was like, "Come on!" I mean, Chad was with enough, but you want to take Angela Bassett too? <laughs> I was like, "Come on, man!" You want to take this? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have a, a silver lining in this. If they ever wanted to, you know, years down the road, do a Queen Ramona no story, Kiki Palmer it has a role. Boy, <laughs> you right. For it. <laughs> you you right. For it. You right though. <laughs> you right. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, you right. She has she has it set in she has it set in stone. They want to do something. Say, yeah, let's do a backstory. Cream and Mona. I'm like, hey, yeah. Kiki, come on in. Let's <laughs> get you a, uh, get you introduced. You know, get you mixed in with the Marvel universe. You know. Mm-hmm. Damn, I will say. As sad as that scene was, objectively, and this is going to sound so bad, it was justified. And that's, I think, what took me down even more because Nakia killed Homegirl. I forget her name, but you took one of mine, I'm taking one of yours. And after I got past my initial like gut reaction, it was like, yeah, like I could be sad all day, but though in the name of your family and your country, Y'all did some stuff that warrants an attack. It just happens to be at one of your royal court, you know, the highest rank that you have now. And I like that she died because we got so many faceless people attacked in the initial, like, first wave of the attack where they were drowned or whatever. People who we never will never know, you know, their stories aren't being told. So, to I think that was a good choice because if you had a kill, like, I don't know one of the Dormelage, it still would have been sad, but it wouldn't have, I think the grief would not have had the same reach. And this may be a reach, but I think Ramonda being murdered was to give enough emotional reach to cover all of the nameless, faceless Wakandans who did not survive that flood. Everybody ain't alive after that. There's no way. No more than took out some folks. So, <sighs> And a lot of people said that that was necessary to push her to like be the Black Panther, like to. Mm. I don't know if I needed that, but that's, <laughs> that's what the people say that that was. look. They need she needed that the brother died. See the brother died for you know illness. Your mother being murdered takes you to a whole nother place. Mm. You got a whole extra feeling that's on top of your normal grief. You know you got your grief. You lost your parent, mm. but. Them murdered is a whole different level than them just yeah. leaving the earth. I, I don't know that I needed the death to come from her from Namora's hands, though. I think that there could have been a pushing for her to be Black Panther and being a protector because in the opening scenes, Queen Miranda was addressing the United Nations, and when we saw that France and other countries. Huh were trying them because she says, we know what you whisper. They've lost their protector. Okay, so it's like, all right, blame the liquor. So, you know, like the point is that they were under attack, that they were trying the female leadership, the woman-based leadership, and that's something that I definitely want to hear from your perspective, Brianna and and Brittany, about the women decisions, because Rain, you said, like, ah, it may have been justified, but we're talking about leadership decisions, right? And in this film, 
the leaders were Okoye, it was Ramunda, it was Nakia, it was Riri, it was Shuri. So we have these Black women in these different roles as leaders, as whether it was from tech or whether it was from the protection, whatever it was, mm-hmm. who were making decisions that had these consequences. Now, do I think that death was a motivation to get you to that next step? That was mm. an extreme for me. You could have done a, another Killmonger and set my lab on fire, and I would have been like, oh, I'm going to finna. I would be Black Panther outside of that. I didn't need the Hurricane Katrina to happen and flood my, my, my city. <laughs> I didn't need that. That's me. So, leadership, though, talking about what you said rain about you know perhaps it was justified what did you think of their decisions and the leadership of the black women in the movie just in general yes yeah no i i i loved it i um but i also don't hate women and so when i look at the conversations that have been had online i think it makes the most sense because if let's just remove the women altogether and make this same movie. Who do you have? A man who was the general who like turned his back on them and let Killmonger in. You have um, the elder, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but the guy in Nakia's uh, camp with the like disc in his mouth. I, we haven't seen him. And then we have um, M'Baku. The story f- does not function with M'Baku standing up when all these other women outrank him. That makes no sense. So for me, Shit, I said it could have added more. Bring in a Lunetta Lafayette. She could have been there, like any race-bent version of a female character in comics. But seriously, I I didn't see an issue because, one, story-wise, it makes sense. But if you look at community, Black community specifically, it's very matriarchal. Like, regardless, and it's for whatever reason when it comes to males and household and community what however we want to track that back a lot of what you see is always the grandmother as the head there's the mother with the siblings of course there's even uncles and whatnot but it always tends to skew towards women so like why why wouldn't this like i'm not picking up a random dude who's what second cousin of T'Challa twice removed just for the sake of having really for all intents and purposes, a man with a penis. Like, cause that's all like, what other reason do we have? So to, to, to dial it back, I thought it was a very good movie done expertly well. And um, having women at the forefront of this movie only made sense. Anything else would have been odd to now fabricate some random character to say, Oh, he was there all along. He was working in the shadows, or even to bring Killmonger back, that would have been weird. Um, I'll, I'll jump in. So I completely agree. I didn't, ha- I didn't see see that perspective at all. I start, like you said, started looking at like online and commentating. I was like, oh, people was mad. I was like, isn't that the beauty of Wakanda? We actually get to see like an authentic like gender equity from like a systemic leadership perspective. Um, because when you think about what Wakanda is, it is an untouched place from a lot of the Eurocentric norms that we received as normal in our lives. So without colonization, without slavery, how are Black people allowed to move and what are our ideas of how we move with each other? And so the women were always extremely powerful. 
we don't just walk into this manless world. It's like life happened and the men are gone. And that's why it was very interesting that people were bothered that we didn't just like randomly drop men into these leadership roles. Um, because I think what's interesting, Wakanda almost has played out even unintentionally, really, especially with Chadwick dying, literally what happens throughout the African diaspora. Women have always been strong. We've always been there. But a lot of times we have to take on leadership roles in a different way because the men are gone um, for various reasons, whether it's death or sickness or systemically exiting out. So I love what the women represent. I love the fact that the Dora Milaje, real people, I think people, I'm like, this is like based off of real stuff, y'all. Y'all do realize like (laughs) that's not even like the made up part. So the women of Wakanda, like you said, it just fits the storyline. It makes sense. We just need a man to be in there. So you feel good. I don't understand. Because if it was the inverse, nobody's ever like, I didn't see a woman. Eh, That's really the blog response. So um, I found it really interesting. Really, just this week, I was looking outside. People was mad. Like you said, like, what are these random men we're bringing in? We had men. They're gone. And that's an intentional part of the grief. The men are gone. And it's not because they were dismissed. This is what rolled out. We had a strong co-gendered kingdom and royal family and the way we did it. But that is not the way our world looks. And like I said, I thought it was very interesting, but it fits. I was like, why are we so afraid of who's going to replace the queen? What The queen can't go talk because in every other European country, the queen goes and talks. So I'm very confused. Um, That's always been the royal protectors. Why would they not be the people that show up? So I think it was very interesting, this idea of just dropping men into these roles that make no sense for Wakanda. So I don't know. I thought that perspective was very interesting. I was like, y'all are so brainwashed by hmm. these on. ideas of what it means. Colonization. That's what it is. It was like other reason why the men were gone. It was addressed in the film, like when Okoye was dismissed from her her general role, and they mentioned, you know, her husband is, you know, locked up to where she can have access to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, traitor. Like, Right. I, I had a, another joke that I was going to make about that, but I was like, never mind. <laughs> but basically, you know, he was arrested for his crimes and everything, was for turning his back on against the country. Mm-hmm. And it shows that the women can lead. And this was like the centerpiece of just the, the marketing, the rollout and everything were just the women of the film. And it's necessary, but you know, some people have that misogynistic view and they're just like, oh, the men aren't there and blah, blah, blah. And, I was just like, y'all just reading too much into it. Y'all just scared to let women do what they do, knowing they're going to do it better than what we probably would do anyway. So I hadn't really actually heard that commentary online, but I, I like the way that it was done, that the women, I mean, it's how it kind of ended. And so that's that was my expectation. So I hadn't heard that people were expecting anything different. So that's kind of new to me. But uh, Well, I have a question for you. Let's just leave all the patriarchy and the male gaze alone. And let's talk about the decision-making of the women. So we have two major decisions, well, three major decisions from Queen Ramunda. Number one, she gave her life for Shuri. Part of that was also not immediately making an alliance with Namor. So that's also the the, the part of it, saying, I'm not going to make an alliance with Namor. I'm not going to kill Shuri. And in fact, I'm going to give my life to protect Shuri. So what did you think of those decisions and Ramunda as queen? And then also the firing, that very 
heartbreaking scene of firing or demoting Okoye from general for the Dora Malashi. Please start with Brianna, then everybody else like jump in. I went back and forth about how I felt about the way that she handled the Namor decision. You know, at one point I was like, if they don't just give up Riri and move on, because she started trouble <laughs> and I was stressed with Riri. <laughs> but um, I feel like she made the decision that she felt like was best for Wakanda at the time. I don't know. In a way, I, I understood what Namor was trying to say in his perspective. And um, the decision she made of having Okoye step down from general was just her being hurt. I think she was already hesitant about, um, you know, her daughter going in the field. You know, she kind of assured her that it would be fine. And then when it wasn't, it was, she was like, you know, again, kind of thing. And she just almost did that as like a rash decision out of emotion. I don't agree with that. I understand like as a parent feeling like being immediately upset with a situation, feeling like it's, person could have stopped it or had it be any different, but I don't agree with the decision. I think it had to play out that way, but I don't agree with the decision. Yeah. I mean, I guess they had to save Riri's life. Riri has a lot coming up, you know, in the future of Marvel, but I, I was annoyed by her at, you know, during a couple of different times, just thinking, mm -hmm. you know, all of this could have been different <laughs> if it wasn't for her, but um, you know, I, they, they made it just the right decision. I think, you know, the compassion or them saving Ruby's life, I think was kind of like what separated them from Namor, you know, them being able to have empathy for her and, and not kind of just having her be a casualty of what was going on. So, I mean, I think it needed to be, it needed to play out like that. Let me find out. We need to get you a uh, Namor was right. T-shirt. <laughs> I'd wear it. But I think the decisions that were made was essentially for the stories to move forward and everything. Um, you know, there's the Ironheart series that will be coming out later next year. So Riri was saving Riri was essential for that phase of Marvel, but you know. A lot of probably times we probably think like she probably could have went another way, but Namor was on that vengeance. And that, that vengeance was just really kicking in for him and everything. The Okoye firing, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, if we have even think about to go back to the first movie when um mm. you know assumed the throne and I think the kid was trying to get her to leave to go and she was like, My allegiance is to whoever sits on the throne. And Ramona was like, you know, you stood there when Killmonger assumed the throne and I had to flee to the Jabari to for uh, protection. I was like, ooh, read. <laughs> I was like, drag her. I was like, that's bad though, but she assured her that everything was fine. She had reservations about Suri being out in the field, but they wanted to go save Riri because Riri was walking up all the trouble, you know, with the machine that she had and everything. And it was coming to kill her, so. It was just a lot. It was necessary, but we'll be fine. We'll 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 um we'll we'll move on from it. I mean, say we'll be fine. <laughs> I felt that. I felt that. Oh man, I didn't agree with Ramonda. Um, before that, can I say I'm sick and tired of them announcing every goddamn thing that's coming. There was no real stakes. I never felt like they were going to give Riri up because I knew that her project was coming. So. I'm tired of that, but 
I think Ramonda, I agree with everybody. I think she reacted rightfully so because you're the queen, you can do what you want. But this idea of handling Shuri with kid gloves makes no sense when she's in the bloodline to be next, either in as the queen or as the Black Panther. It's literally in her blood. And it seems like it was more emotion that was taken in charge. Because even like Reese said, the, the comments she made about um, the Dormilaje is just like standing around. Well, this is what, like, that's their lineage. That's their tradition is to serve the throne. So as much as I love Angela, as much as I love Ramonda, she, to me, was wrong in both cases. Um, like, yeah, punish her because she lost the princess, sure. But, like, it felt like when somebody do you wrong and you still be their friend, and then one time they mess up some kind of way, like, yeah, I never liked you anyways, bitch. Like, I just felt like she... right. You know, like, bro, you was holding on to that, but you was saving face being nice in person because, you know, she served a greater purpose. But um, I think that Ramonda really, rightfully so, because you're emotional, but I don't think she made the right decisions. Um, as it pertains to Riri, I do think they made the right decisions because I'm thinking this little black girl is smart enough to make this machine. And because of her rough life, she's just doing what comes naturally to her. But because of colonization and these white folks, they've corrupted it. And now they've used her intelligence for something. But then Namor is not really in a space to receive that. Because one, he's not just some random country on the globe. He is beneath the fucking water. <laughs> like, this man ain't got no connection. No, truly. Like, he's down there with the mermaids and the algae. So I feel like I kind of wish we didn't get that announcement of Armor Wars or Ironheart or whatever. And I'm sure there's still like, oh, they're not going to kill her. She's brand new. But I never felt scared for her. Even when her and Ramonda was was drowned, I never felt scared for her. And I think that kind of took me out the movie a bit. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I just think Ramonda made the wrong decision. I'll say that. To make the wrong decision and then kill one of the, what are they called? Teleconians or whatever, like to kill one of his people and make the wrong decisions. Like you can't invade him. He can invade you. What are you doing? Work with this nigga. Like he, I'll stop there because I'll end up ranting, but I mean, it might've been unintentional that she killed her. That's how I saw it. She was trying to save. It, okay. Who would you have? What one of the name of people dying or, you have you get have something happen to Surrey and then have a more traumatic confusion going on. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I just feel like that woman's death was like, and I could be wrong with this, almost like fridging a girlfriend. What is ain't that was it that the term like fridging a girlfriend to give motivation to the guy character mm-hmm. to like I feel like that scene happened that way to show one that Shuri had bonded with these people and she wanted to save her and that it was a misunderstanding, but you, we lost a life that now started a war. I don't, I don't like the way that played out. I, I, I hear you Reese, and I do. Well, agree, no, but but, you know, think about it this way. She went to Haiti to find a kid and, and she convinced her. She said, you know, yo, you were able to, you know, go undetected into different areas She say, yeah, that was a previous life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then she was kind of convinced her to do it, and because you know she in the back of in Mexico. Um, anyway, and so it was just like basically, you know, she was like, "Hey, you know, I'm not that, I'm not for that life no more. You know, I'm doing something different." 
and it just kind of just it just transitioned into that. You know, she ended up having to save Siri and that young the um Riri, yeah. Well, not Riri, but the one that they killed and everything. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it just kind of just sparked that off. If it, they would got away, it probably wouldn't have been that. It probably wouldn't have been that serious. But yeah, mm. and I just want to make a. I completely agree um, with you all's take on Queen Ramonda and, and her decisions, but the decision with Okoye and making her step down, it's not until like, I told you this movie was heavy for me. I had to go home, sit, watch East Eggs, process all my emotions. Um, so when she's having the conversation with Nakia, and it's like, you've been gone six years. I was like, Nakia ain't staying? Did she say she was staying? I forgot that everybody had disappeared. <laughs> and so when I processed it again, it made it sadder because I was like, she lost Chad what twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for all of them, they had only had him back technically for a year before he dies. So I was just like, oh my gosh, as like a parent or whatever, everybody's disappeared for five years. So for five years, you are coping with this loss only for this person to come back and be dead in a year. And I just was like, shoot. Cause mm-hmm. I did, I kept saying, what is this six year time gap? I'm missing it, but I forgot he, Thanos dissolved, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think about her decision, yes, it was definitely emotional. I agree. But I realized the depth of her trauma and having, you know, ever had a significant loss. They've been going five years. You're finally coping and processing it. They come back and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. So you lost your husband, your son twice. Um, and so potentially your child. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dang. Yeah, you know, so it made it so much deeper when I realized that T'Challa disappeared into the nothingness and then comes back. So I was like, dang, T'Challa died twice. Um, And that hit different because I I realized what that six years looks like. So even his son, he didn't get a full six years with the son. He only got a year, whether it would have been a baby or the last year. And that made the storyline even more sorrowful because I'm like, mm-hmm. you really missed out on those fun parent moments for like five years. Yeah, and that was crazy to me. It's like, dang, <laughs> I'm gonna cry. He's over a whole, whole other aspect of that storytelling. Yeah, <laughs> that's the layers of grief, like you said. I mean, this is a woman, Queen Ramonda, who was righteous in her anger, and even. In her righteous anger, she did not have Okoye excommunicated. She did not send her or killed. She just demoted her from that position of authority to make decisions that would impact the royal court. She still was a midnight angel. She still was in battle. She still is respected. All of those things remained. You know, I'm looking at the time. So we have to talk about Namor. We have to talk about the new people that were introduced. Riri. Uh, I know that we've kind of spoken about the fact that she was there and that we know that they have an upcoming series on Disney Plus. So what did you think of the character? Are you enticed to see her more? What did you think about Dominique? can't think of her last name right now. And then also Namor with his fine ass. Look at you giggling. As a half tip to Miss V and Madame Lizette, did you see a romantic storyline between Shuri and Namor? Like, where do you come down on that? You shook your head, Brittany. This is the danger of you being on camera. Okay, so I thought they were going there. And I don't know if that was real. When people say there are deleted romantic scenes, I never know what's real on YouTube. But I kind of thought they were going there. I think there was definitely a connection with Sherry and Amore as oppressed peoples. When I think of just real life history, 
connections with Native Americans, Indigenous people and Black people, Latin culture and Black people. I mean, I think, especially we start looking throughout the Caribbean, just there's a certain drawing, I think, when you understand like oppression, if that makes sense. It gave me X-Men vibes all the way, um, like Professor X and Magneto. Like we both understand the struggle, but what is it going to be our approach to it? I mean, I think it's that age old conversation on like we picking up guns or we, you know, walking the streets. Like what's the vision we have on, you know, seeing this? I think what's interesting about Namor is I did not like what he did, but I understood it because he's the only one that's seen this whole oppressive thing really play out. Shuri lived in this very protected space. They were aware of what's going on, but she's only lived one life. When the more it, it seems like he's been alive since enslavement, colonization, mm-hmm. like the whole everything we read, he's walked through it. And so his perspective is really, really interesting. I'll jump to Riri. I knew about Riri. I was extremely excited for her. So when she came on screen, I already knew who she was. I did not love the depiction of her character in here. Mm. But a part of me was like, okay, she's 19. She's American. We always be goofy to people. (laughs) Um, I feel like she just was like, but I want, I was like, girl, it's a whole vision. Catch on. We're trying to save you. Um, But I was like, okay, Britt, she's 19. If somebody snatch you from their dorm room, you're starstruck in one hand, but at the same time, you're like, just take me home. I thought it was interesting that we meet her at 19 because when she technically goes to MIT, she's 15. So I'm like, okay, this must be senior year, Riri. Um, So that was super interesting. So I was ready for her. But I will say, if I did not know who Riri was and anticipated her, I didn't think she was going to be in this film. I don't know if I would have loved her, but I know Riri's potential. I know how she is in the comic. I know where they're trying to go with her. And I think that's the only thing that threw me. I'm like, I wasn't anticipating Riri. Would I have loved her? I don't know. So I think I had an edge on being like, oh, shoot, they put Riri in here. I'm lit. But I don't know if she truly was fleshed out to people who were not prepared or knew about her. So those are my two perspectives on what you said. Yeah, the Riri character, I think like Brittany said, she kind of threw me out of the zone in the movie. I don't know if that makes sense. Like some of the like almost comic relief things that she had or like some of the lines, I don't know. It just kind of threw me out of the whole motion of the film. I just really didn't love, I don't know if I didn't love the way the character was presented or I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't love the Riri character. It honestly, some of her scenes, I was like, I just want this to be over. That's how I feel about it. You know, maybe it'll evolve and it'll get better. And honestly, I am a Marvel fan, but Brittany knows way more about like things that are upcoming and a little bit more of the backstories of some characters. Like I know who Riri is and kind of her storyline, but um, I don't know that I expected her in the film. Um, I could have done with character honestly obviously i couldn't because she was very integrated into the storyline but just in general um her i could have done without well if you follow me on twitter you'll see what my um twitter name is for her because i was definitely for rereading this movie and no going back and reading the ironheart comics and it's like okay i understand why they aged her up for the movie purposes and everything but i like the character i like she was didn't take no nonsense. You know, when we first see her, she walks up, snatched the phone out the white boy hand and said, you didn't um, Venmo me. I was like, oh, she coming to collect. <laughs> and, you know, and it was just basically, you know, like she's 19, so she's about, you know, her business. But at the same time, she still is trying to find her place in the world and everything. She's trying to, you know, get that money. And the fact that the, she built a machine just for fun and, and ended up getting her professor in the selling it for 
money, whatever, you know, and it got linked back to her. That's just crazy in itself. I did like him for for Carmen Relief how she was snapping on um Okoye, you know, talking about her um her makeup blend. <laughs> she kinda was like, I told you and then Okoye was definitely, you know, in her feelings about it. But I enjoyed the character. Definitely can't wait for the series to come out. And I'm sure that once we see more of the character development happens, we'll see what's going on with the character and you know, that probably can, you know, have fans love her or hate it even more. I don't know. My only issue with Riri is not even her. It's more or less the movie. And I know it was a lot going on, so you can only do so much. But her role felt like a Jubilee or a Kitty Pryde, like an entry-level character. And having her come in so late in the movie seemed odd because you normally get the person that's new to the world and you're you're they're the audience surrogate and we already had that with the colonizers from the first movie so with us getting her so late in the game or so late after the movie started i could see where it would feel like okay what is happening here but i enjoyed her um I have to be frankish just because I'm happy seeing more black women and black folks getting checks. <laughs> My whole platform was built off of black folks being in the comics so they could translate to black folks on screen. I'm excited for her show. I do think she probably could have been handled a little differently. I feel like there should have been more with her and Ramonda, like more of, I don't know what I would want, but something else that is almost like this is my bonus daughter. Like I have Shuri and she's fighting and doing that. And I don't know, we maybe would have never gotten that. I'm sure you can't please everybody, but I, I enjoy Riri. I was happy they didn't bring up like father being gunned down in the drive-by. We didn't need that. Exactly. Please. Yeah. That was, mm-hmm. I'm, I hope they move away from that because some of these origins for these black and brown characters are extremely ridiculous. Okay. So this, I don't know, this may sound bad. I hated that Ruby was the scientist, but I liked that she was a scientist because you are dealing with seeing Namor where he's coming from, seeing the Wakandans and where they're coming from. And it would have been easy to just make it a white scientist and everybody be like, well, just give him up. You know, whatever, it's nothing. But having it be this black girl and this young black girl, it's like, that's the time that I truly felt torn. Like, I did not want them to give her up, but I knew something needs to happen. When you watch other TV shows and it's like, oh, they've kidnapped Jennifer. They need to give her back or pay the ransom. I don't care. That shit doesn't move me. I'm just like, okay, well, don't kill her. But with this, it actually felt like there were stakes. Even though I figured Riri would be alive at the end of the movie, it's still made it a little bit more real for me personally, seeing that brown face on screen being the reason why we have all this damn turmoil. And like Mo said, it's not even because of her. It's because somebody else leaked her shit. So, mm-hmm. you know, in the end of the day, it ain't even her actions that put her in this mess. It's some other damn colonizer that got her in this shit. So. Rain, I like you, Reese, and you, Brittany, perhaps, I read both sets of Ironheart comics from when Brian Michael Bendis did her first run in Yes, Rain, at Origin Story with Bananas, and when Eval Ewing took over, which is significantly better. And I have been curious and a fan of the character and interested to watch her development and how she would be a part of Champions and just Marvel going forward. Having said that, though, I wasn't jazzed about this introduction to Riri either. Now, it did make me want to see the show to know a little bit more about and and fully understanding their story and flesh out. Like, how did we get here, dear? Um, I'm wondering if 
when we're thinking about the diaspora, because um, we have Haiti, we have America, we have, of course, Africa and Wakanda. And to see this to Wakanda do everything they can to support this, for lack of a better term, ugly American who, you know, was was popping off and saying, you know, how it is a diaspora wars on Twitter. But the queen was still willing to give her life for this American that she did not know because she what she implied was that she deserved a chance because like you both were saying, this is not something that she tried to do. And I think we also have to talk about the fact that Wakanda is not the only one that has vibranium. And what does that mean about what made them special? Because a lot of the things that made them special is also true for Talakan. So now they have to deal with the mirror image as well. And what does that mean for self? And Shori said it, everything we knew about ourselves is now in question. Everything. So you have Ramonda, Queen Ramonda, and I don't know this girl. She's an American. She wasn't the sharpest knife in terms of, I don't want to say the sharpest knife, but she was obviously brilliant beyond measure. But she wasn't the most personable in a way that was a good thing because when you think about the geniuses at MIT, they don't look like her. And she didn't code switch. She didn't do anything. She was just herself. I appreciated that. But then again, when you get with these other people, it's like, how how do we act? It was a good reflection of how we act within the diaspora around each other. But they still, it was still a camaraderie. There was still a sisterhood. Queen Mamunda still literally gave her life for her like she would Shori. And I like that. So as we are like wrapping up though, I just want everybody to talk about whatever it is they want to talk about. I won't go too long, but just piggybacking off of what you said about the diaspora as a whole, um, I think if Queen Ronda would have dismissed Riri, it would have taken away all the work that Black, the first Black Panther did in making us realize what happens when we don't acknowledge our brothers and sisters throughout the diaspora. And so one thing that T'Challa realized is that we left our own behind. We did not look out for each other. Um, and even the brother, we know, I can't remember T'Challa's father's name, but his uncle, basically, he kind of sold out in a way the Wakandans by trying to bring this vibranium and thinking what he would do with the Oakland riots and different things like that. But I think what we get out of First Black Panthers is the idea that kind of we are one, even though we've been displaced and we need to see about each other. So I think seeing that they kept true to that vision was important in this Wakanda forever. Going back, I love the genius of Ryan Coogler because he was very intentional. I said, of all of the countries in the diaspora, you chose Haiti. And we see the beauty of Haiti. And it's intentional that the king and essentially, I guess T'Challa would have been right, the king. And essentially, like the Sarah could be next in line queen, right? What Nakia choose that place um, and, and bringing the beauty to that. We chose to raise our child here. He has Toussaint as his name, right? Um, yes. Prince and Drobu, yes, that <laughs> um, all of those things are important when we look at people who fought for their, you know, rights. Haiti being the first free Black republic, all of these things, absolutely. Of course, Cooler could not break the whole history down on screen, but those who knew, if you know, you know, we knew exactly what he was doing. And so I love the fact that he's consistently going across this diaspora. And so we're getting the story of Africa, but as displaced children from the motherland, we see ourselves in this story. 
Um, and that part is absolutely phenomenal. And I know some people complain that some of the scenes weren't authentically shot in Haiti. But for me, for films, they do that all the time. I said only 50 percent of the time are you actually in the place that, you know, you're shooting in. So I think what was important was the acknowledgement of Haiti and choosing to do that and pretty much having royal priesthood that's growing up in there and that being an authentic place. And so I guess I love what he's doing. And it's one of those things that movies are not always supposed to be like explicit knowledge, but the implicit and the things that you don't even realize that you're learning in them are phenomenal. And so while this was heavy for me, Ryan Coogler is absolutely amazing. I love the fact that he still sounds like he is fresh out of Cali and 96 to me. I was like, he does not switch it up for anybody. I was like, you are so Cali. It's not even funny. You are like all the movies we watched growing up. Um, and he does not shift for anything. And I love that kind of how you all talk about with Riri. I'm not code switching. Because when you think about the MIT class, you think Spider-Man all day long. That's who keeps trying to get in the MIT, this little like nerd class. Riri, you don't think her. And not only is she there, she's outshining everybody. And so even though we might not have loved the way everything rolled out, the nuggets and the things that were dropped in, like you're going to get this on this big screen in front of all these different people. Ryan is not playing with y'all. I think that's my wrap up. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, thank you. Tell people where they can find you. Books and Bubbles. So we are a podcast. We emphasize Black and Brown authors and also Black and Brown wine. So we get our wine, our bubble of the month. We also pair that with the book. So our social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. It's Books and Bubbles. Um, but also our podcast is available, Books and Bubbles again, on Apple, Spotify, and Audibles with Amazon. So yes. Thank you for having us. This is always a pleasure. Ditto. I will say that I enjoyed the film and I know there's only so much you're able to do one within a Marvel slash Disney project. And two, when you got so many moving parts, um, but I would love to see, and we may get this, but more representation of the queer and non quote unquote traditional aspects of Wakanda. Um, because Wakanda is uncolonized and there are queer people uh, like Anika and the Midnight Angels, I would love to see that explored more. Um, I know Disney probably going to fight tooth and nail to not have it explored, but I think with setting up Wakanda as this place that's been untouched, there's so many avenues that can be explored. But that specifically, I would love to see because you're already kind of breaking barriers before this movie. When has there been a Marvel movie with more than one black woman who was dark skinned, who was not token leading the charge, um, let alone women? I think what it took like 12 years for Black Widow to get a film like so going forward, I would love to see what does Wakanda look like even within Marvel and Disney's lens of what they're going to allow um, to be shown on screen. What does that look like that's so different from the MCU New York or the MCU, I don't know, New Orleans or whatever we have in the MCU? Um, I'd like to see more of that. And um, I hope that this opens up more properties, more shows, more movies and TV to explore Black women in fantasy futuristic stories in the same way that you could see the effects of the first Black Panther, even in um, CW's uh, Black Lightning, like the Astro Plane. Like, you cannot deny that there were those homages to the Black Panther film, even in that CW show. So I'm hoping that this trickles down 
or explores more of black women in these spaces and leading roles where you're not just supporting this quirky white girl and you're not just this stereotypical caricature. I hope that we get more of that going forward. And uh, yeah, gay rights. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Uh, where can they find you? What you got coming up? All that jazz. Oh, Lord, you can find me some everywhere. Twitter, Carefree Blurred. TikTok, ter- Carefree Blurred. Um, Carefree Blurred on Instagram. To be on there. Tuesdays, I do a Quiet Storm style 90s radio show. 8 Central, 9 Eastern. Confessions and, and smooth grooves and shit like that. And um, just a lot of nerd stuff. Man. And I'm... Um, I'm down to hear what y'all got to talk about and maybe have some folks on the show and whatnot, but find me on Twitter and on TikTok, Carefree Blurred. That's the most immediate way to get in touch with me. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Miss Brianna. I just want to end by saying that I love, love the film. And um, I agree to Brittany's comments about Ryan Coogler. I, I love hearing him talk in interviews. It's something about like the Cali accent. I don't know if he's from like the Bay or... I don't know where he's from, Oakland, but I I love that he is himself. And um, I really love that he has been able to take on the Black Panther franchise. And I love what he's done with it. You know, RIP Chadwick Boseman. I love watching the original Black Panther film. And I encourage everybody to get their colon cancer screenings. They start at the age of 45. Unless you have a family history, then you do 10 years from the diagnosis of that family member. So I think Black health is important. You know, I work in the healthcare field specifically with patients who unfortunately have cancer. And I think preventative screenings are so important. Yeah, that's all I have to say. (laughs) Oh, thank you for that. But also, where can they find you? I am the second member of the Books and Bubbles podcast. So everywhere Brittany told you, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, um, and of course our podcast. So if you have not already subscribed, please do so and catch up because we'll be recording again in the next couple of weeks. Hey, okay. Thank you for being here. Mo. So what we didn't really touch on was um, what's going to become of the Black Panther franchise going forward. There was a lot that's going on with Letitia Wright and her anti-vax stance. And then she got injured on the set, which kind of pushed the movie back. And then also in terms of just the film itself, as it's a great film, but a lot of people, you know, were like saying there was no in-scene credits. And I said, well, I think from what my perspective, they put the, those um, post-scene credits at the end of the movie, like Agent Ross was rescued by Okoye and um, Namor was talking to I want to say his sister. I forgot her name, but she was a badass too. Um, so I think what Ryan did was they put that at the end of the movie and then just have the the scene where Suri meets Lil Toussaint, which is the real, I think if they are looking to recast, they may just say, well, he has a son, so we, we have a line to the throne. We put that at the end of Wakanda forever. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, when when Rain mentioned about Black Girls of Fantasy, I started um, Vanity Six Nasty Girls started playing in my head for whatever reason. So that's that. Thank you, Rain. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but like I said, it's a great movie. At the very end, it did say that the Black Panther will be back. Also, Mbaku got about that scene too, where he came off the plane or ship or whatever. He said that Suri would not be joining them. And then he said he wanted to challenge for the throne. So could he assume the role of the Black Panther? Could we have a Jabari person running it? 
who knows? We have to see what with Disney, what the Disney the teacher rights situation is going to be looking like in the next couple of years once they get settled and everything. How when the smoke clears from that? Um, and before Lady H eight X, you can find me on Twitter Mo underscore Reese. I record the Wrestlecast podcast on Tuesdays. Um, we put recordings out every week. Talking about Raw, SmackDown, NXT. Also have a Patreon where we do the dog match and we talk about AEW. Also, you can catch me on here whenever I need to be tagged in. That's true. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, my last word, I'm just going to say base in the space means peace. See you later. Lady D, the last word is yours. I just want to say thank you all for being here. I truly enjoyed the movie and I enjoyed you all coming on to have a conversation about it with us. And I'm saying see you next time. But one thing that you did is you watched mm-hmm. Wakanda forever. Oh, I did. And you have thoughts about, how dare you laugh at that, Lizette? You know where I'm going with this. So you know. going to beat us up for this, but let's go. (laughs) So I know that you have thoughts. And I know that you in particularly have thoughts about why Namor and Shuri are the perfect couple. I think that is the dumbest thing ever. That makes me so mad that people watched that movie and were like, they need to be together. First off, Shuri. <laughs> I'm sorry. We knew. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, okay. Go I'm for it. Go up. for it. Going back. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. First off, Shuri likes vagina. She is not. There's no way that character is straight. For one, two, he killed her mother. Why? Like there is. Like I didn't. I don't see how anybody saw any kind. Like even before he did that, just because he showed her around his hood people saw sexual chemistry there that they should be together like i didn't get any kind of sexual vibes from the two of them during those scenes whatsoever and i don't even know like if they would have even tried to kiss i don't even know if they could even pull it off leticia uh, there's nothing about her that makes me think that she could actually like she would like like there's nothing (laughs) i just don't I don't understand it. I was so annoyed when people were like, they need to be together. And I'm like, he killed her mom. He tried to kill her. He killed almost half of her people because she was a dumbass and took her Wakandans to the water and they were getting worked in that boat. Like, I just, no, I was so annoyed that people thought, did you think they should be together? Because I don't understand it. Explain to me if you did. Okay, so for me watching it, I was like, it felt like they were kind of connecting based off their origins and him showing his world and telling his story and what that looked like. It looked like they most definitely were connecting. Um, Not saying that it was like immediately they're going to fall in love, but I can see the foundation of them kind of trying to A, build a friendship, but B, like, could there potentially, like, could this progress to something more than just a friendship? I saw those vibes. Um, Could it not be connecting because they have both had trauma in their life, but not like sexual connecting? Yeah, once again, trauma bonding is a thing. Um, Which, like, JJ and I going back and forth about trauma bonding just based off of reading Legendborn and going into Bloodmark. Like, a lot of those characters, part of the reason why they feel such strong feelings is we have trauma together. But um, I think when they had a chance to kind of take that trauma off and relax 
um, they were flowing very well. I think one of the biggest issues with it, yes, he killed her mother, but part of the killing her mother part is Nakia and the queen did not trust Zuri enough to allow her to make a decision about how she was going to get herself out of that situation. And because of that, that overplanning hypervigilance cost them something that it shouldn't have cost them. I feel like she had more chemistry with Riri than she did with Namor. I, um, I feel like her and Riri were more like sisters than, or like acting like they were sisters more than like having like a flirtatiousness about them. Yeah, I don't know. I just, there was nothing for me. It was just like so hard to see them as anything remotely romantic. I could just, I just didn't see it at all. And then like, especially when like he gifted her his mother's bracelet and wasn't there an ulterior motive behind that no oh that's right she used it to she used it after the fact like ulterior motive like that's the thing nakia coming up and saving her and killing one of the maids was the problem like yeah that threw everything off and especially since you know cream Wamanda had basically called neymar away so that he wouldn't be there for him that's like a betrayal that's really why i think he went after the queen was just like we could have handled this civilized so we could trust each other and do this in a way that didn't involve ulterior motives but you didn't want to do that so here we are because even when he made that comment at the end when he was talking to namora and she was like you know you kind of you had your chance to take them out and he's like now we have allies I feel like everything that he was doing was calculated and not in any kind of romantic way. He was doing everything because she's like the sheltered princess who really hadn't gone out anywhere. Like she'd always lived in Wakanda, had really never explored outside of Wakanda until, you know, the last Black Panther and all that. So she didn't know much outside of that. Um, So I feel like everything he was doing was calculated in getting her to break down walls so that he could use her for his benefit going forward so if there was anything romantic i don't think it was truthful on his side felt like it was just a calculated move to get her to trust him i think he was fascinated by her because she like genuinely wanted to get to know him right but i do understand what you're saying that a lot of it could be calculated i think the calculation legitimately came in once they technically became enemies and because the fact that he recognizes She's not very good at this. Yeah. But she didn't have the choice to because she wasn't queen. Yes. But at no point does it make sense to take your entire landlocked army on a boat in the middle of the ocean. At all. Like, at at no point did that make sense. They just washed them in Wakanda and like flooded the whole city. Right. You're going to take them into the middle of the ocean. Black people got rocked by, <laughs> they destroyed Wakanda. It w- They made them look like they had no clue. She looked like an idiot for sending them out there. Right. And they lost a lot. A lot of mm-hmm. people. To do that, which means they have to rebuild the Dora Milaje, rebuild the other tribes, which I think is why Suri stepped down and is making Umbaka her standing for now. I think she recognized there are some things she needs to deal with, like her own grief, what kind of leader she wants to be, that kind of stuff. Cause she made that, that was a very bad decision. Like, I don't care how angry you are. 
you you literally just got flooded and you want to go out when you don't have anything anyway that doesn't make a whole bunch of sense especially since people tried to kind of talk her out of it and go are you sure yeah like when Baku tried to talk her out of it in a form because he was just like vengeance is not the answer and she was like I want revenge so it doesn't matter I'm Black Panther I'm gonna do this and yeah hands turned she almost killed a god or a mutant however you like to go in that route but it doesn't change the fact that you had a lot of casualties while he basically had none yeah because they were in his territory she took the fight to the place that he was strongest which was or his people were the strongest because yes she isolated him and got him away from the water and and dried him out but she didn't tell her like why would you not do the same thing for the entirety of his people clearly like they're probably susceptible to the same issues that he is of needing to go back into the water to replenish their energy so why would you take why would you take the fight to them in the middle of the freaking ocean i that that was just yeah that bothered me i was like that is she just decimated her entire army um what was there like 12 of them left like she Mm -hmm. killed everybody (laughs) what was she doing and now he's right she's gonna need him She's going to need an ally now because she has no one. Right. Has- and they just, you know, broke out our favorite white agent. So mm-hmm. America is coming and not like America wasn't already here. Like yep. we, the opening scene is spoiler, I guess guys, but the opening scene is like the queen being like, Hey yo, so what y'all not going to do yep. is that. Yeah, can we talk about how I don't think it was necessary to kill off Ramonda, though? Like, I don't think they needed to kill the mom. I know they did it for, I know they did it to, like, push Shuri to the brink. But I don't know if it was necessary to kill. Because Angela Bassett acted her ass off in that movie. Yo, she'll get an Oscar for that. I'm she so should get an Oscar nom for that. I don't know if it was necessary to, to kill her off. There was already enough, like, heartbreak with T'Challa being gone. That I don't yeah, think that Shuri was already on the brink of yeah. like she hadn't she hadn't really giving come to terms with it. Yeah, and I guess something too with with this knowing like I guess knowing what Neymar is like in the comic books, he's technically not a villain. He's more of like an antihero. He's like an anti-hero, yeah. he joins when he feels like it, and then he picks you know the water when he want to pick it. You know. And yeah. so they could have really explored them uniting as two dominant. That's what they should have done. Cultures, yeah. Instead of pitting them against each other, and now yeah. at the end, like one Wakanda is significantly weakened, and Namor yeah. is just basically waiting on her to call. Like that's that's yeah. it. And yeah. we already know, like whatever the U.S. government is planning, it's gonna rock the MCU on yeah. top of like whatever's going on King the Conqueror. It's just like a number of different things. This could have gone a different way. I understand that losing a parent and basically becoming an orphan will mm-hmm. change your entire life. Um, but I don't think Jury needed that much of a push. No. To get she there. didn't. She didn't. I, I don't think she needed that at all. I do say I was not expecting to see Michael B. Jordan in the movie. So I was surprised pleasantly surprised. Was by I that. the only person who saw the article that said he was going to be in the movie? You must have been, because I sure as Yeah, did everybody not. was like, so what are you no, talking no, about? No, no, I, I saw it. Maybe you sent it to me. Yeah, I was like, nah, I knew he was gonna be in the movie. They were like, How'd you know? I was like, there was an article about it. They said yeah, he I had, had no like clue. showed up and they were like, nah, you gotta be joking. I was like, No. 
I know I saw this. <laughs> yeah, no, I had no idea. So when he did pop, because I think what I thought was going to happen in that scene, because well, one for the trailer, they edited the trailer because we did see her in that room with all the fire. Yes. But there was, she was by herself. Yes. In the trailer. So I assumed that when she came around the corner, I was like, I wonder if Chad had shot anything um, before he passed or if they were going to use like old footage of him and do some kind of deep fake or something to to have her have her the moment with Chad with, with T'Challa. So I was not or I thought or at least I thought I was like, OK, Angela Bassett's character, she just died. So that's who she's going to see. I was not expecting him to be in that space. Um, I do think it's funny that your hair grows in the afterlife because um, his dreads were a lot longer. Um, Girl, let some people make it. <laughs> yeah, his hair was his hair was a uh, thriving in the afterworld. So, but I did enjoy that scene. I thought it was good to that they were able to bring him back for one scene. But yeah, I I think the overall the movie was really good. I really enjoyed it. I so Namor is supposed to be very big in the Fantastic Four. Yes. They got to come correct with the casting because he is so good. You can't have a weak ass Sue Storm because no. who he's supposed to kind of be infatuated with. And if it's like Jessica Alba, it's no, which it's it's got to be really good. But speaking of that, I heard that they have got Chris Evans and um, Jessica Alba. And I think who was the guy who played Reed Richards? Um, oh the white dude Ian, i remember yeah i've heard that they um got them to come back as variants of themselves in as those characters um, dope. yeah so we might not see chris evans as steve rogers again but we will see him as uh, he was the flash was no he was uh not the well, flash. johnny storm, flash, but johnny johnny storm. storm. Yeah, yeah 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 so we might see him as johnny storm again so which is interesting because so was michael b jordan yeah yes. so we might be able to see both variants of you know because they were maybe they're not like on the same planet they could be on different planets so mm-hmm. or different yeah so maybe we see them well, both come back i want to ask you both about the recast t'challa movement now that you've seen the movie what you thought about that but um, when we talk about the romantic part of you, that one thing is that there is the genre of the dark romance. There were a lot of dark romance elements. So just an example of a dark romance is Beauty and the Beast or Hades and Persephone. And mm-hmm. so if you think about those vibes of her being taken, her coming back, you know, like you said, maybe some of the things that are a little bit twisted, but allyship at the end that's what i saw was that trope being explored so it's not the hearts and flowers t'challa and nakia romance but there were some dark romance elements to it that were used to kind of explore their relationship and to get us to the point uh the more needed to give shuri the jewelry so that they could recreate the heart-shaped herb mm-hmm. and that was the way that they did it okay yeah. so now the recast t'challa movement what were your thoughts about that and at this point did what how do you feel about it did they need to uh recast them if so with whom and how do you think shuri did as black panther i hated the recast t'challa thing i think it was too soon um i think there's there could have been possibility to do it in a movie or two after this. I just don't know if it necessarily needed to be the one immediately after he passed away. However, 
all that being said, it's clear that Ryan Coogler and Michael Fe and Kevin Feige didn't like that movement either because they pretty much told everybody to shut the hell up because they put the kibosh on that with the, you know, the after credit of because people kept saying, you got to have T'Challa, you got to have T'Challa. The way they handled it by making him have a son who's now named T'Challa, you still have T'Challa in the MCU. You just don't have the one that Chad portrayed. And I think that's the perfect way to to introduce him, especially now that they're bringing in the young Avengers. It's a perfect way if they can get that little boy or some little boy, some teenager who looks like that T'Challa. When they finally get the young Avengers up, you could have T'Challa be a part of the young Avengers and you still and then you still have him in the MCU. I think it's the perfect way to do it. I don't know if this movie would have been as emotional if right away they had some new person and whoever that new actor was, I don't know if they were ever going to be given a fair shot to be T'Challa right away. Everybody was going to compare him to Chad. So I think now there's some distance and whoever the kid is that does take the role of King T'Challa Jr., they'll have more room to actually create a character instead of having to follow in Chad's footsteps. I agree with V, but part of me was just like, if they did decide that they wanted to recast, I'm like, what are we going to do? So <laughs> I was under the impression of let's just deal with what we got and see where it takes us because they have opened up all this multiverse and everything like that the characters don't necessarily have to look the same they can look different so we could have added a new t'challa and it could have just been a new actor from a different world and it just be what it is you know especially with them introducing like the x-men and things like that they could add storm and everybody else and we could take a totally different turn with the t'challa that we're seeing especially with all the different like comic books that we've seen come out in the last like what five or ten years none of them follow the same t'challa story line right so if they recast them they recast them but it's not really a fan's decision like it needs to it needs to make sense with whatever they're trying to do with the mcu on the other hand, I like the fact that we have a young T'Challa and or junior. And based off of what Ryan Cooler said, if Chadwick had not passed away, the movie would have been about them two bonding and growing. So we would have started that young Avenger train sooner. Thanks for coming along on another fantastic journey. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to our podcast and your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you think of this episode by tweeting us at watchwithyoupod, sending us an email at watchwithyoupod at gmail.com, or leaving us a review. And please spread the word. Add us to your syllabi and cite us.